And then my friends in like high school were like, um, no, they're really funny. It's a group of guys. I'm like, no, it's got to be one guy named Monty Python. Like, Think mm. of the name. That doesn't even sound real. Like, <laughs> sounds about as real as Benny Hill. <laughs> well, Benny Hill was weird because like, when I was a kid, he was these novelty songs like Only the Milkman and things like that. And it was just like he'd do his funny West Country accent. <laughs> and, uh, and they were like cheeky songs and things. Mm-hmm. And then he, do, he was doing his TV shows. So, like, when I was, you know, by the time I was a teenager, he was doing all his TV shows where he gets chased around by topless women. And that was, just, that was it. Week after week. More power to him. Okay. <laughs> British institution. They're like, Benny, we're going to give you a TV show. What do you want to do? <laughs> the get, premise is I'm get. being chased and wackety sacks or yackety sacks or whatever <laughs> is playing and topless women are chasing yep. me. And they said, sure, you're an institution. We'll turn a blind eye for a bit. Sure. Well, let's start this thing. Which movie are we doing first? Uh, Dog Ends. I mean, Halloween <laughs> Soldiers. Ooh, Halloween Soldiers is not a bad title. I like that. Mm. <clears throat> All right, look. something there. Yeah. yeah, we'll do the the dog the dog shoulders. Dog shoulders. <clears throat> How right. much is dog shoulder a pound? <laughs> Depends on what country you're in. Listeners, should we should we intro this thing? Nah. Mm, listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we'll talk about some recently watched, maybe some spoilers, mild spoilers, but we'll try not to. Um, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you can buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are not professional critics. We're your hosts. I'm Richard, and I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Creative enough. <laughs> All right. So, um... Recently watched, does anyone uh, feel compelled to jump out there first? Mm, sure, I don't have many. Okay, Will, go ahead. Uh, let's see, what did I watch? Uh, I watched Gorgo. Mm. Gorgo? Love it. Yes, the British Godzilla we reviewed it once. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it, it's a good one. I like that one a lot. And it's fun to compare to Godzilla. You're like, well, they did this this way. They did, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did they British it up? <laughs> <laughs> what could you say they did? Um, I don't know that they really Britished it up. That's just a joke. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I like the little twist where uh, it's Wait, he just apologizes the baby. when he knocks over buildings. Yeah, he does. Just 
people are in the subway running in the tube and they're like, oh, pardon me, pardon me, pardon. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, I ask that because I know that we Americaned up um, the, the first Godzilla movie with Raymond Burr in it. Mm-hmm. And hey, he was defending Godzilla in court after. <laughs> and damn it, he, he won that case. Mm-hmm. That's why he got a TV show. <laughs> it was really something else. They sliced and diced it just like. Uh, did a good job of it. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah, they put all those bits and pieces in there and it, it seemed believable enough. Yeah. Until you see it without Raymond Burr. <laughs> So uh, I always wondered why he was in the 1985 Godzilla. He just turns up at some point. <laughs> I was like, why is Raymond Burr in this movie? Yeah. I didn't realize that he was in the first one. <laughs> I had seen it, but I don't realize I didn't realize who that was. So completely forgot that character. Steve Martin. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. <laughs> so uh, Gorgo, how was the rewatch of this thing? It's fun. It's yeah. a fun movie. And then I watched, uh, because I didn't have Godzilla. I'm sorry, I don't have a copy of Godzilla. But I have a copy of Gamera. Oh. The Invincible, or whatever they called it here. Yes. And uh, I watched that. Cool. Which, uh, Gorgo's fun to, or, uh, Tor- <laughs> Gamera. <laughs> Gamera. 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 I think it must be Gamera. It rhymes with well, camera, sort of. The first American uh, version of it, they used two M's. Oh. So it does look like Gamera. Hmm. Yeah, they did use two M's. It's always weird when we get a movie with a Japanese title, or just some things that occur in pop culture, and we're all sort of in agreement on how to pronounce it, then we find out later that that's not right. Mm-hmm. It's so embarrassing. Rodan became Rodan. Oh, it's not Rodan? In Japan, it's Radon. Radon. Which, which it kind of reminds you of radiation, but it, it also comes from Pteranodon. Oh, okay. That makes cool. sense. I was going to say there's a special device on the house to pump that out of here. Yes. <laughs> Dude, that's radon. <laughs> Chong's daughter? <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> um, Anything else? Oh, I watched uh, It Conquers the Earth because we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, a couple episodes ago, briefly. And uh, it's it's what it is. <laughs> Parts of it are fun, you know. Uh, Real top shelf special effects. Yeah. And then I watched uh, another Corman masterpiece, which was probably filmed the same weekend uh, in the same location at the same time. Uh, Blood Beast. Oh, yes. Which is like a burnt-up parrot that impregnated a guy who's in NASA. <laughs> NASA looks like it's... And the Army and, and It Conquered the Earth look like they're both run out of the same shack with about maybe 15 people in the whole operation of the hmm. U.S. Army. They drive around in a big pickup truck like the Jodes or something. Jeez. <laughs> with wood, wooden slat sides. Wow. Yeah, it's great. And then the big monster at the end. Which uh, looks like a burnt-up parrot or some sort of diseased mascot. Hmm. Um. And I don't really know what the point of that movie was. The other one's like a body snatchers, uh, 
puppet masters thing. You know, yes. these aliens fly around these, uh, some sort of mutant cave bat or something. He says yeah. in the movie. Uh, yeah, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but. <laughs> So you were gonna you were gonna say something about how they should remake Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? Yes, I think so. Okay, they should get a whole new cast of Kiss. Gene Simmons can appear in one scene as either a concession stands vendor or a, a carnival ride runner. Maybe he runs a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Roller coaster will feature heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the whole third act is on the roller coaster. The whole band playing on the roller coaster. This is going to be nuts. It's going to be Star Wars <laughs> meets, I don't remember what movie they they yeah. compared it to. They mashed it up with. The Banana Splits. Star Wars meets the Banana Splits. Yeah, no. It was a Hanna-Barbera production. Banana Splits isn't the right attitude for Kiss pretty fucking close <laughs> if you think about it i always thought the banana splits were a little wacky yeah but that's like true. self i don't know <clears throat> kiss is self-aware but in denial at the same time yeah they they <laughs> kind of play the the spooky straight man in in bits they're like ooh, they're a band but they can't Maybe if they're alone, they can be a little goofier. Hmm. But when they're paired with someone, I don't know. Yeah. It would be a fantastic movie. Almost as good as Halloween ends. Well, now that we have AI. Yeah. I'm going to go home and punch in a bunch of awful Roger Corman scripts. Anyone. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, which ones? Any of them. All of them. I'm going to force the machine to learn all these scripts and make it watch... Kiss versus the Phantom of the Park, uh, like five hundred times, mm-hmm. and then make it write me a script. Can it generate a movie where it just plugs the Kiss characters into it? I don't think they're that Advan- advanced yet. Mm. I believe it'll give you a really weird, kind of flat, computery script that'll be just slightly off like somebody maybe speaks french canadian wrote their book in english and you're like "Hmm, that's not quite the word we would use but it's so close it's not really wrong but just sound weird (laughs) yeah that makes sense yeah so was that it recently watched sure why not okay we'll chop it off there (laughs) i watched a lot of stuff i can't remember half of them I watched Pearl again. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You know what? I I meant to say last time when we reviewed it, this is one thing. Uh, at the first of the, at the beginning of the movie, she puts a gift in her basket on her bicycle. But we never find out what that gift is. Ooh, maybe in the next movie we'll find that out. I don't think mm. so. But maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think maybe there was a there's a scene missing. Or maybe they wrote that in because those movies had some part that you felt like <laughs> there was a scene missing. Yeah. Well, Jolien, what about you? What have you watched? All right. I watched uh, Jung E, which is the new film by uh, Yun Sung Ho, who did Train to Busan. Ooh. Uh, this is on um, Netflix. 
right now, and it was number one. Oh, in movies, fantastic! It's the wow. um, last film of uh, Kang Su Kang Su Yun, who was in the Surrogate Woman. Um, it's like a cyberpunk dystopia set in a flooded Earth, satellite colonies, and a civil war. Um, you don't see anything of the civil war. I just no. talk about it. Of course not. Um, irritating lead man who gets a lot of screen time. Uh, most interesting aspect is the scientist played by Kang Soo Yun, who's d- developing this soldier, which is modelled on her own mother. Um, and it's got another climax on a train. Um, I wasn't too excited about it. Oh, uh, I've seen very familiar tropes and production design. Yeah, I like the female androids. They have these good faces, that good balance of mechanical and mm-hmm. human. Um, what's the menu? How was it? Yeah, I mean, we spoke briefly about yeah, this in the car, as mentioned before. Great editing. I mean, the editing I was really impressed by. Really yeah, how it chose exactly the right details and what to cut to. Uh, the timing's great. Um, anxious. I felt anxious throughout, mm-hmm. although it's funny. Uh, I thought Ray Fiennes was great, but I kept imagining what Vincent Price would do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that, but because he's played demented chefs, yeah, uh, and uh, I, I just kept imagining he he'd like really blow it up. Yeah, it'd be really entertaining. And he wrote a cookbook. Yes, he was quite. quite he was uh, quite the chef. chef yes. Yeah. yeah, I gave that as a wedding present to my nephew. Oh, I wonder <laughs> if they made anything in it. I hope so. <laughs> uh, all right um watched only a coffin from 1966 aka the orgies of dr orloff or erotic in der Folterkammer. um it's directed by walter alcox uh, the very first shot is howard vernon peeling off a woman's bra an orgy then there's a coffin being unloaded at a castle and then cue credits and we're about a minute in i thought oh hmm. <laughs> just right out of the yeah, gate this is going for it but then it just like becomes this plodding old dark house mystery, bizarrely intercut with this like other movie. <laughs> uh, so they've got this like footage of this bottomless torture chamber scene. So everyone's wearing hoods and nothing else. Okay. And they'll they'll do like whipping and things like that. And uh, and that's just cut into it every you know every other scene change. Um, oh, that sounds fantastic. It's set in England for some reason. It's amazingly dull. Yes, uh, I can totally see how it would be dull. <laughs> um, lot of, uh, I'm just, I'm more amazed at the audacity of just smashing two unrelated films yeah. like that together and releasing it. <laughs> they must, must have thought, oh, well, we've got the dull old movie. Uh, how are we going to sell this in markets around the world? I think probably exactly that. <laughs> um, what Shin Ultraman just came out end of last year, directed by Shinji Higuchi. Um, it's got great spectacle, interesting themes, lots of nostalgia, lots of in jokes, uh, great compositions. The, the camera work is gr- really good. Um, but I found the cast is too monotone and undeveloped to make them a compelling contrast to the equally emotionless inhumans of the story. <laughs> um, so I'll look forward to tr- giving it another try when it comes out on disc I think it's out in April uh, they had this limited release at theatres oh okay um, a week or so ago uh, Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff 
1972. This is actually directed by Jess Franco, who's, who kicked off the whole Dr. Orloff thing. Um, this one, you've got Senorita Melissa, who has nightmares about Jess Franco drooling blood on a little girl's lap. So her family calls in Dr. Orloff and hope that she'll be declared insane. But he says, you're very lovely. It would be a shame to lock you up. So he has dodgy ethics. He doesn't have particularly sinister eyes, but he has very dodgy ethics. The dodgy ethics of Dr. <laughs> Dr. Orloff. <laughs> but anyway, he, he reveals that her father was murdered. Um, Lena Romay plays one of Melissa's neighbours. Characters have names like Sir Henry Comfort, Commissioner Crosby, <laughs> and Paul Nothing. Paul Nothing? Yeah. Hmm. Seems to be set in the same house as uh, How to Seduce a Virgin. Uh, quite a twisty mystery. Starts out like a gaslighting old dark house story, but goes a lot stranger. Um, set in England again for some reason. Uh, although the cars have these UK number plates just papered over them. <laughs> 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 um, very impressive um, Swiss Made from 1968 um, so um, H.R. Giger gets credited as uh, with the uh, future design and he also appears on screen in a couple of scenes wow um, so Swiss Made marked the Swiss centennial and there's three stories to it so the first one is 1980 the second one is called uh, Alarm and the third one is 2069 and this is about a humanoid played by Tina Guerda, and she's in this kind of um, uh, living camera costume with a like extended skull thing like the alien. Oh, okay. Uh, or xenomorph. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the humanoid's going around Switzerland recording life where society has been integrated into the central brain and decisions are made by algorithms, including who, who you get to hook up with. Um, and some people live as outsiders, like they, they set up camps on little islands in the rivers and things like that. Um, so that was, a, that was an interesting curiosity. Yeah, um, where'd you see that, if you remember? Probably YouTube. Swiss made. Okay. Um, and then uh, TCM has a podcast series, and the uh, fourth season it's Pangria. Oh, so uh, yeah, it's Denver really, Sound. Yeah, so especially in the early episode, they talk about Denver a lot, and it's not always flattering. <laughs> like uh, she, she talks about when she, uh, when she gets to go to Los Angeles, and she's like holding down like five different jobs, and, um, and that one of her coworkers notices she's turning up in the same clothes every day because that's all she had, and she says, oh, "I'm going to take you clothes shopping," so she takes her to this. Uh, shop downtown and and uh, and and Pam Greer's like uh, well, how how do you test out clothes because like in Denver she had to um, buy the clothes take them home try them on and if they didn't work out then you could return them if you were white you could change them in the store but uh, yeah in, in LA they let her try the clothes out in the store and she like burst out crying wow yeah, Denver's not always been good. So we're talking the late 1960s at that point, yeah? Or early 70s? No, this would be, this would be the early 60s. Yeah, so she moves to LA in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Well, she started to really appear in the movies I'm familiar with, like it's 71, 72. Yeah, early 70s, she just starts yeah. doing the uh, Filipino films. <clears throat> yeah. 
some of which they would film two or three of them. Oh, yeah. So, that's right. so as you say, with Roger Corman, so she goes over and they make the big dollhouse. And uh, then because they're there, they... Let's make another Whip off another one. And that one's a big hit. So they so she, you know, they talk her into going back and she makes two more prison movies. <laughs> that's, that's kind of funny because uh, that's sort of what happened with X and Pearl. So they were in New Zealand and like, hey, we have some more time. Yeah. Does anyone have a samurai costume? <laughs> yeah. I was walking down the street and I saw in this antique store a samurai costume. And I thought, that's it. There's our villain. <laughs> but the movie's about ghost. Samurai can be ghost. Who says a dead samurai can't come back and haunt you? I'm sure there's a million Japanese movies out there. Yeah. All in one series. <laughs> right. Of which Jolien's going to be doing the box art. <laughs> yeah, when I picked up that, or you handed me that... Uh, Zatoichi. Yeah, Zatoichi set. And you're like, that's the first 25. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that was... There were that many, and that's the first 25. First 25, yeah. I thought maybe there were... F I knew there were quite a few, but 15 maybe. Yeah, there's about 30 altogether. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're the record for the longest-running... Uh, film series was um, the Torasan series, which was four dozen. Wow! Entries. Did we did we never rip that off and make like a blind gunslinger movie? Yeah, there was Blind Justice with Rukahawa. Yeah, I remember that. And then there's been several references in Star Wars and um, various characters in cartoons and video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Star Wars. They had Luke put the blast shield down on the helmet. And try and hit the hovering ball with the lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, there's Daredevil. Blind. Yeah, like whenever you've got this character who's like super, like superhuman blind, they, yeah. they have these Zatoichi mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's, it's, he did it so well and developed it so nicely. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. Anyway, that's it for this week. All, All right. right. Well, I got a few. Um, to be clear, the menu, we're not going to go too in-depth because it seems like one we should cover. Okay. Saw it also. Thought it was brilliant. And I think we should... Uh, Is it on some service? You have it on HBO. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, HBO Max has it. So let's just leave it at that with that one. Is there an HBO Min? That's what I was hoping. Like, you know. Well, there was an HBO, mm. and then they put HBO Max Just for some reason. <laughs> it's the same thing, but they were like competing with one another, and then HBO Max absorbed HBO. Oh. Even though they're the same company. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, just a pause. This is stupid, but I found out a while ago. I think four or five years ago, I found out that uh, the your link when you went to uh, uh, Shutter. Mm -hmm. You had way more movies, right, than the one on Prime, right. I found out that why that is. Why is that? The one on Prime is not actually run by Shutter. Oh, it has nothing to do. Yeah, because with... AMC owns Shutter now. Yeah, so that is just like a specifically made kind of for Prime or for yeah, it's just streaming. A... Yeah, but it, you know, since I. I can watch them on the computer. I can get regular shutter. It's oh, ridiculous, yeah. but it took me several years to find out what the answer hmm. to that was. 
It is strange. Anyway. Um, so let's see. Uh, just a couple more real quick here. Uh, we started watching that 90s show uh-huh. on uh, Netflix. And it's going to take a little getting used to for me because I really did enjoy that 70s show. But what I liked the most about it was Red, mm-hmm. the, the dad. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Kurtwood Smith is back in this one. And he, you could see him really enjoying himself being back in this character. Uh, it's <clears throat> the premise is that Red and Kitty have uh, a visit from uh, their son Eric, and he has married Donna, and they have a daughter who they've named Leia because Eric is such a Star Wars nerd, and she's supposed to be fifteen or sixteen, best I could tell, and. There's some back and forth about, well, we're just visiting for 4th of July weekend, then we're going to head out and do the things we're going to do. And she meets some of the neighbor kids and wants to stay for the summer, and they let her. So the granddaughter is now in the house with the grandparents and then gets the pack of loser friends over to hang out in the basement. So they've kind of just reinvented that 70s show in the 90s. And I'm still kind of keeping an eye out for things they're going to get wrong, mm. you know, with time period, but it's set in 95. So it's, yeah, you know, you might forget, is that from, is that from later than that? Is that from earlier than that? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You could look up when a movie was released or whatever and find I, out. I find myself looking for little details like that, like... Did they have corrugated tin roofs back then? Right. When was aluminum first popularized? I believe it was after the Second World War. <laughs> I did that with um, those white resin stackable chairs. Oh, yeah. They popped up in some movie and I said, bullshit, those things weren't invented yet. I don't think I saw those before 1980-something. Yeah. It turns out, no, they've been around since the early 70s. And I'm like, oh, oh. okay. Maybe they were for rich people at first. Well, speaking of Gamera, they got that wrong in Mad Men. Oh, did oh they? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Too early. Oh. oh, they 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 nailed it with Planet of the Apes, though, didn't they? Yeah. Did you get that far in the series? I never watched it. I've just heard about. Oh, okay. Gamma one that got wrong. Yeah, that's that's a great episode. So we got anyway. We got four episodes in. I'm really digging it. Um, a couple of the characters seem a little forced, but that's okay. It's 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 a silly comedy. It's a sitcom. Uh. I think it's not getting the highest ratings from people who are watching it, but I don't know what they want. Do they want an exact copy of what it was doing before, or do they want a different version of it? Yes. Exactly. So I say it's worth a watch if you enjoyed the first show. The show's fun. You get to revisit some of the characters you like. Uh, then I watched but some... But not Hyde. <laughs> no, Hyde's not going to be back. And you know why? <laughs> he died in a car accident. Hopefully he caught fire. <laughs> they accidentally threw gasoline on him. Yeah. For I some don't... reason, someone filled the fire truck full of gasoline and they sprayed it on his burning car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> to Phil Jolien and uh, one of the actors has been accused of, he allegedly uh, raped a bunch of women. And he's a Scientologist. So. There's some hint that they're paying off a lot of people to keep him out of trouble. Mm -hmm. But he finally. They take good care of their celebrities. Yeah. 
But uh, you think that guy? Why are they taking care of that guy? He was in one TV show. He was. I can in, understand he was Tom Cruise. He made a lot of money. <laughs> was he the guy with the glasses and the curly hair? Yeah, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Um, he was in another TV show, but uh, they they fired him from it because of this. The ranch or whatever that yeah god awful program was. Yeah, it was garbage. <sighs> um. Then I watched a documentary called The Pez Outlaw. This this is from last year, so it's new. Uh, this is about a guy named Steve Glue, G-L-E-W. Uh, he, back in the early 90s, uh, got this idea because he, he had been doing this thing where he would send, he would send in box tops to get the, the toys and stuff from cereal boxes. And... Uh, He's responsible for them saying one per household because he would just send in a whole bunch and get a bunch of toys because he knew that people collected toys and he would go sell them and make a lot of money. And he figured this out as being a nice, you know, side hustle to make some money. And when they kind of uh, clamped down on that, uh, he had discovered at one of the toy shows that people really, really liked collecting Pez dispensers. So... Being an obsessive person, he figured out what was going on with that. There was Pez America, you know, the, the U.S. Pez arm, but then there was a European one. And so he made a trip to Austria or wherever it was based and uh, just, I don't know if he bribed someone at the factory or sweet talked them or whatever, but he's just funny guy with a big long beard and a bucket hat, just talk somebody into selling him a bunch of Pez so he comes back to America with duffel bags full of Pez dispensers that you can't get in the U.S. You're not allowed to get in the U.S. Copyrights and oh. all that kind of stuff, right? So he starts making a ton of money. I mean, a lot of money. And it's his story. And, of course, there's a big twist in it somewhere. And I don't want to tell you what or where. But this story, you think... Pests wow. were made out of people. That's a secret he <laughs> found out of the people. end. They're people. <laughs> yeah, so he jumps on top of the garbage Damn, truck. Damn, I guess the twist again. <laughs> he jumps on top of the garbage truck going into the Pez factory. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's wearing a neckerchief. Yep. It's an ascot, goddammit. <laughs> so, anyway, it's... It's really, um, the voice of this thing is very, it's, it's very light. It's, uh, kind of fun, kind of funny, but there's some tragedy in the story and, uh, it's so worth a, a look if, if you like documentaries and <clears throat> I did watch a bunch of the DVD extras on dog soldiers. So some interviews with, um, Neil Marshall, the director, uh, who also wrote the thing and that was it other than, um, uh, something, something else that we're going to talk about next show, but dog soldiers. I picked this one. Um, we've been waiting for months. We waited for this. And, uh, when I finally got it, we just waited a couple more months just cause, and then Julian got it for Christmas. Yes. Full restoration from shout factory. Yeah, 4k. Yeah. Was this shout factory? The 4k? Well, I believe it was. They did the Blu-ray, didn't they? Do you have, um, I have one oh, here. Yeah, I was going to say the cover is here somewhere. I think it's, well, the Scream Factory arm of Shout Factory, I believe. Yeah, yeah, this is Scream Factory. Yeah, actually, I can see the poster tube from here. Yes, yeah, so they, they did a Blu-ray a few years ago, and it wasn't that great, so I waited. Yeah, they um, they had not found, and, and 
the quick backstory on this one is the original work negative was missing. Any first generation print was missing. Any they were work... all in a farmhouse guarded by werewolves. <laughs> you Nobody have... wanted to go down there and get that. Might as well have been because no one ever found it until someone found it. Yeah, just well, three Three or four years four ago. Years, four yeah. years ago, yeah. And they spent a lot of time doing a full restoration. The transfer is gorgeous. You can actually see what's going on yeah. in, in the dimming. Yeah, the house is almost too bright. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, wow, are they filming day for night? Because it looks like they just kept the lights off. And... Yeah, there's a, like a big sodium floodlight outside. Yeah. Which farmhouses might have, sure. Yeah, they to, don't usually now. point them in the windows. No, no, no. <laughs> up to now, a lot of the, because I mean, it all takes place at night, a lot of the scenes where they're away from the light. Just, yeah, I couldn't tell what no, was going on. No, that was my biggest takeaway from that movie when I watched it. was like, this seems good, but I can't, mm -hmm. I can't tell what's going on. Something terrible happened to the guy in the Jeep. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that made the werewolf, being able to see more, made the werewolves look worse. Uh, but I was glad I could see, actually mm -hmm. see yeah. some hint oh, of looked, what was going really on. Oh, it looks really good now. Yeah. yeah. But almost too much for the werewolves. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, they should cut in some of the old footage on a couple of those. Yeah, like when they show interiors of like the upstairs bedroom and the werewolf is standing there. Yeah, it, it, yeah you could cut the light back about 30% and it might, you know. Yeah. But, you know, they probably couldn't tell what it was going to look like. This was actually shot on film. Mm -hmm. And you only had so many takes you were going to do with those kinds shot of effects. 16 millimeter. Yeah. And you get... Blown up in 4K. And you, and you get you get to see that, that gorgeous grain. It, it, yes. It, it's a, it's really nice grain. grain. Yeah. I miss film grain. I don't like fake digital film grain. Oh, no. They got to get better at that. Yeah. That's what we need AI working on. Yeah. <laughs> Funky filters. Like yeah. if I see, you know, the the film grain and then maybe some debris on the film, you might get a stray hair or yeah. a, a scratch or something. And they'll repeat it. It'll be the exact same mm -hmm. one. And how hard is it to like change that shit up? Make five different scratches, you jerks. Yeah. You got to make more than five. You got to make like 50. Or I want each one to be basically individual. Yeah. And keep your movie under 82 minutes while you do it. Yeah. We want it to fit into two film cans, you jerks. So, um, yeah, this this uh, this comes out on um, uh, 4K slash Blu-ray uh, two-disc set. With a po did you get the poster, Julian? No. Boo. I, I, I pre-ordered, so I did get the poster. Mm -hmm. It's just the cover art. But, um, yeah, this one... Uh, Everything that was lacking in the earlier transfers uh, was more than made up for on this one. And then, uh, listeners, Jolien had us over to watch this on his 4K TV, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Things that are supposed to be black are actually black. Mm-hmm. And uh, sharp as can be. So. Yeah. For 16 millimeter. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> there's only so much you can do but uh tarantino always said if you want if you want to shoot in a budget shoot on 16 blow it up to 32 so or yeah 30, 35 that's what they did for this was a blow up for 35 for yeah. theatrical yeah yeah yeah, yeah didn't did you get i know i gave you guys <clears> one of you evil dead one 
which mm. was like 4K. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know which one of you got it, but... I think that was me. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious because it was shot on 16 millimeter. Yeah. yeah. And just to blow it up, I was like, wow, you probably see all sorts of stuff. They didn't want you to see it all because, right. you know... <laughs> yeah, they're doing a... Well, they've done a 4K of Texas Chainsaw. That, Ooh, that, that was 16 millimeter. That'd be... That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, and I don't mind seeing the flaws. No, but I, I mean, it's not going to take. It depends how serious the flaw is before it take me out of the movie entirely. Yeah, and sometimes it's fun to see those things. You're like, oh, look, there's a a boom mic. <laughs> yeah, the boom mic, or you know, there's somebody in the background who's paying a little too much attention to the camera. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't notice anything in Dog Soldiers. Those, were no. those werewolves were so happy they were wagging their tails the whole time. The whole time they had to tape their tails down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, I don't know why any listeners listening to this would not have seen the movie, but let's just give them a quick recap. Uh, we meet at the beginning of the film a uh, young couple who's camping in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, the woman gives the man a uh, silver letter opener as a gift. Uh, they're celebrating something, but not for long, because werewolves tear open the tent and eat them. Mm. Uh, that's the kickoff. Then we meet uh, a soldier who's in the final special forces type training, like SAS or whatever he's trying to train yeah, for. Yeah, they don't say what they are. They don't say. And, you know, as Americans, we're just going to be like, oh, I guess SAS, right? Um, I thought they were the National Army. <laughs> They were, they were some kind of badasses anyway. Yeah, some kind of black ops. I thought yeah. they were like the National Guard here. That was just one weekend a month, but they didn't tell them that there were werewolves that, that well, weekend. They, well, that's, that's the second group. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the second group. Well, they, they show um, our guy, uh, uh, what's his character, Cooper? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. He, he's, like, he's the one they're chasing around for the exercise with the, yeah. Yeah. the black team. Yeah, and then uh, everything falls apart when... The commanding officer tells him to shoot the dog that they tracked him with. Yes. And he, he refuses. Good on you. You refused. But then the commanding officer shoots the dog himself, which first strike. And then. Captain Richard. Yeah. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Captain Richard shoots the dog. Uh, and I'm like, well, at least nobody puked on anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> just wait. They don't show the dog in shot. No, they don't, which is, which is good. one good thing about it. It's heavily implied. Hmm. Um, then uh, we cut to this group. Uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Deploying out of a helicopter. Yeah. Would that be the right word? Uh, this group is clearly um, on some sort of uh, maneuvers, some sort of war games. Yeah. And they're more they're your regular yeah. squaddies. Yeah. These are, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, grunts, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. But uh, they, I don't know if those are those uh, yellow flash suppressor things on the end are indicating that they're shooting blanks out of their guns. I imagine that was the... That's what I took away the from The idea you. was you see that. Okay, that's... And then they tell you a few times that they're shooting blanks, they're on a war game maneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's a little annoyed that the uh, the soccer game, the, the football match is... Uh, England versus Germany. Yeah, it's happening, and they're not going to get to hear it or see it, and they're all very annoyed about that. So uh, they're off on maneuvers, and then they come across some uh, 
carnage? Or do we? Yeah, they come across a, a deer or something. Or no, a cow. Oh, okay, that happens before they run across the dead soldiers, right? Yeah. Okay, so they're they're uh, bedded down for the night, and uh, something drops a mutilated cow in the middle of their camp. Mm-hmm. They freak out. Then uh, the next morning, they after keeping watch all night, they run across the uh, other soldiers who've been slaughtered. And then they decide they better take all the ammo and weapons because shooting blanks ain't going to work on whatever killed them. Mm-hmm. Then the movie's off. Uh, eventually turns into a cabin in the woods story. And that's kind of uh, probably the best recap I could give without going into details about who does what to whom and when. Did that cow come from the Monty Python and the Holy Grail movie <laughs> from 40, 50 years ago? <laughs> Maybe. It took that long before it landed? Well, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. This came out in 2002, this movie. He does uh, reference older movies than that. Yeah. Like he, he references um, Carry On Screaming in this movie. Oh, he does? Yeah. I still need to watch that. That went over my head. Oh, I love that movie. That's on Shutter. I saw it somewhere. Was it on Shutter? It was on some service I went through. Oh, I love that movie. And I have to watch it. I'll, I'll lend it to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a great one. It's such a pantomime takeoff from Hello and Hammer movies. Oh, nice! It's really well done, and uh, the 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 whole transformation scene because they they knew they couldn't. There's no way they could do, you no know, Rick Baker or Rob Bottin. Yeah. So they have the uh, he disappears behind the table, and then he, when he comes up, he's a bit more transformed, and then he comes up again, and he's a bit more transformed. Mm-hmm. That's straight up carry on screaming. Oh, cool! <laughs> There's this like Jekyll and Hyde transformation, and they they do the same thing. We, Disappears oh. behind the furniture. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, this is just budget concerns here. Yeah. But yeah. It is a good idea. They did it well. Well, yeah. But that's where he got the idea. Yeah, so um, it turns out that uh, the the jerk that killed the dog is the only surviving member of the guys who got slaughtered. And uh, he's he's pretty mutilated himself, but not for long. Yeah. Because uh, werewolf done it, and now that he's infected with lycanthropy, he's gonna heal himself nicely. Mm-hmm. It turns out. And their sergeant is disemboweled yeah. when he survives. Yeah, Cooper patches him up pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, what did you guys think of? Uh, did the soldiers feel authentic to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sure. You know, uh, they had us. Special ops guy or uh, SAS guy or something trained them uh, for several days so they could. Uh, yeah, I think he was um, uh, <clears throat> Foreign Legion. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were they filmed it in Luxembourg. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. For whatever reason, I thought they filmed it in Scotland, but they didn't. No, it was too. They they shoot. They shot some helicopter footage. Oh, establishing shots. And they were looking into Manitoba, and they were looking into Scotland. Um, But, yeah, they were too expensive. So they they went with Luxembourg because they had, like, there was a studio facilities. There were students who could help them. Um, Oh. Oh, so I almost thought it was filmed in British Columbia somewhere. (laughs) They shot this in Vancouver. Look at this. I see the city back there with the (laughs) Space Needle. Well, the main backer was this uh, American... um, Guy had made his money off of spinach. Wow. Really? So that, that logo you see at the start is his film company started up to do horror movies. 
That's cool. Uh, Popeye. His name, Popeye something. Something like that. He had very thick forearms. I can't remember oh, his name. Oh, yeah, big forearms. <laughs> Weird. Former Navy man, I believe. Yes. Not a cowboy. Pipe smoker. He just had his, uh, I think, uh, 90th birthday. Uh, Popeye did. Huh. This uh, January 17th. Well, well that iron isn't good. Yeah. I'm looking good. Born in 1929. Still going, I suppose. He's not looking well. He's still <laughs> he's, alive, technically. He's covered under copyright. Not done any regular shows. Although I believe in England you can now use Popeye, but you can't use the the name. Oh. You could call him something else, but you, you know. Winky the Sailor. Winky the Sailor. <laughs> Church's Chicken the Sailor. <laughs> Pope, yes. <laughs> So, Pope, yes, chicken. Yeah. So uh, this is the first viewing in a few years, Will? Oh, longer than that. I watched this probably, I don't know when. I thought this was an, early, uh, an older movie. I thought this was made in the 90s because I that's when I seemed to remember having seen it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I did not. Uh, but I haven't seen this uh, since... It first showed on Sci-Fi Channel, I believe. Wow. At some point. So probably 15 years-ish? Uh, no, I'd say it was almost 20. Wow. It, it came out, it would have had been, I was still in New Mexico, so I moved here in 2003, so not long after Wow. it came out. Damn. And I just remember like, this is a pretty good movie, but wow, it's it's really hard to see. It is. And I bought the DVD eight or 10 years ago and uh, watched it a few times, gave it to my nephew, Chris, when he was in the hospital. I sent him a Shaun of the Dead action figure and a couple of horror movies. I, th- I sent him the, the original Korean, The Eye, mm-hmm. and Dog Soldiers. He's like, you got anything really scary? And I said, well, hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he enjoyed um, having Dog Soldiers because um, back when... Uh, um, my mom and dad uh, still had this house out in the country um, in Illinois, you know, fairly far outside Chicago. You know, they'd go out there for a weekend, and uh, I thought, well, this is great. You know, you're isolated kind of, you know, you're, there's neighbors, but they're not nearby, and you're on the edge of the woods. This is a perfect movie for that. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, whenever he brought friends with, he'd show them dog soldiers. Mm. <laughs> and, of course... If you want to creep people out, the eye is a really good one to creep them out. Yes. So you can set the mood with those two movies and people aren't going to sleep as easily. But uh, yeah, I owned it and uh, gave it to Chris and I and I bought a new copy of it for myself. I loaned it to someone who worked at the shop who had it for about two or three years. I just got it back after getting the new one. And I'm like, eh, well, it's lying around. I'll give it to somebody, but... Not without recommending that they see the the uh, restored 4K. Turn up the brightness on your TV. Yeah. <laughs> It'll wash everything <laughs> out, but you'll be happy. <laughs> right. Um, so what didn't work about the movie for you, Jolien? What didn't work? Yeah. Um, I didn't like it. I don't like it as much as The Descent. Um, Which is also a Neil Marshall. Yeah. I found this one. It, it's uh, on it, it premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel in this country. Oh, okay, that's what um, I watched because the yeah. producers just sold it to 
to the first ones who would take it. Yeah. And that was sci-fi. Yeah, because I remember that they put out a bunch of crap, and I was kind of surprised that this looked like a real movie yeah. and not some goofy... But not it, that they don't have their place. It, it still but anyway. kind of follows the same formula of like uh, army unit monsters. Woman gets down to a tank top. Yeah. But it's really good. Um, that's the only thought I can find in it. It's like the, it's that formula that's been done over and over and over on, on the yeah. sci-fi channel. Um, but it, it does. It is. It's really good. It doesn't have those horrible wheel spinning downtimes that those movies have doesn't have the crappy cgi there's only one bit of cg in the whole film yeah for uh, megan's eyes mm-hmm. oh yeah that's the only time they use cg um doesn't overshow the monsters yeah i think um i asked you to pause when we were watching it to see when did we get those first fleeting glimpse silhouettes and it was half an hour into the movie yeah it didn't feel boring before that either no. Like this movie doesn't slow down. And everything, every scene, even when they're just talking, is to build up the yes. situation, the characters. You you know who everyone is. Mm-hmm. You know enough. You don't know too much. People aren't yakking about their backstories for ages and ages. <laughs> like you know, those those sci-fi movies, they're just like, oh, I don't care. Oh, and I then when care. I was in high school, yeah, so. I fought a. Yeah, I was, you know, I was a, ter- a pteranodon, a pterodactyl, and <laughs> I've been afraid of them ever since. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I mean, you know, like uh, if this was a Sci-Fi Channel movie, and they they had that the scene where they they're you know they have the camp scene. Yeah, that would go on for ages and ages because yeah. mm-hmm. it's cheap. And then you'd like cut to a full moon. You get this crappy CGI werewolf in silhouette. Uh, and then you'd cut back to them telling more of their backstories, and it'd go on it'd and on. It'd be half and on. the movie. Yeah, and then they'd then they'd hear something, and they'd go around the forest with torches for half an hour. Or you or you <laughs> get that that wonderful um, uh, the killer POV, and you hear the slobbering and snarling, and you see it going through you know the point of view of the werewolf yes. going through the trees and, and branches. And the POV will be worse than human vision, right? Yes, that's what you find with those those monsters that they're like yeah, it's they're supposed to be these, these predators, but like they can't see as well as humans can. No, and uh, <laughs> I think the guy would go out to investigate, so the woman walks around for at least 20 minutes saying mike yeah, yeah. mike are you there mike <laughs> mike it. where are you mike <laughs> leading me to wonder what's his name again <laughs> <laughs> but in this one like they do just enough you know how experienced everyone is with actual situations yeah um, what they can do what they're ready for then someone starts telling a joke and then wham and then you're off yeah 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 this uh this movie doesn't lose its pace it really doesn't and like you said the quiet moments are just build up and set up and uh when uh they get rescued by the woman in the land rover uh it seems a, a little deus ex machina yeah, but, uh, but you know it's okay <laughs> how it turns out <laughs> yeah because uh she doesn't just happen upon them as it turns out mm-hmm. it's quite by design from her point of view to uh you know, yeah a lesser film, they would have survived the night and then walked for 20 minutes to get to the farmhouse. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd find her somewhere, and it would be a slight jump scare when she came out behind door or something. Yeah. yeah. But no, she gets them to the farmhouse, and uh, they're 
safe-ish for a minute, but the werewolves are there. They're surrounding the place. They're they're uh, on their way in, best you could tell. And uh, at this point, um, what's his name? Uh, Richard Ryan, the captain, the, the jerk that killed the dog in, in the flashback. Um, he seems to be looking better and better by the minute. Yeah. He seems like uh, he was at death's door and all of a sudden he... Do you notice the way they talk to him as well? Okay. Sit, stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, sit, the sit and stay part was funny to me too. Um, yeah, that was a good gag. Uh, and then of course, um, oh, what's the what's the uh, the leader of our group? What's he called? Cooper? Um, as, well, as H.G. Wells is the sergeant. Yeah, Harry G. Wells, that's right. <laughs> Played by Sean Pertwee. Yeah, so the sergeant, Harry G. Wells. Uh, he's the one that we mentioned earlier has been just uh, disemboweled. Uh, so Cooper and, and the woman who saved everyone in the Land Rover. Megan. Megan. She uh, she helps Cooper uh, wash him, you know, get him drunk, wash him down with a little whiskey, uh, <laughs> uh, patch him up with some super glue and get some bandages on him. Do you yeah. know how he played someone who was drunk? He got he drunk? Got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's method. <laughs> Now, I want to say real quick here that this movie didn't make a ton of money in its initial box office release. It was made for $2.3 million. It more than doubled that in the box office by making £5 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. Sterling. Uh, so we, we can say the movie was successful enough to uh, give uh, Neil Marshall you know, uh, future deals. And he had to have made some money. The, the company had to make some money selling it to sci-fi. And that's where we got it. Uh, but um, movies like this routinely lose money. Because it, it's more expensive to make a werewolf movie than people think. Or they think they're going to work around it. And then it's not good enough looking. And then no one wants to see it. And there's where we get our werewolf shortage. Mm-hmm. I don't know how these guys did it, yeah. but they did it. Because well, um, werewolves were just ads. At, at this point, uh, uh, while he was developing it, because he started working on this in '96, mm. and like um, so, in the in that interim, uh, American Wolf and Paris came out, mm. and that cost ten times what this did. Yeah, and they had this awful werewolf in it. Yeah. It was a terrible movie. So he's like reacting against that as well. Yeah. Yeah, you, you want your werewolf to look like a werewolf. You don't want it to look like anything else. Yeah, and he wanted it to look different. So they saw the, the, the werewolf actors were all dancers instead of beefy stump people. Yeah. I, I'm not sold on the tall part, but I like mm. the thin kind of... Muscular. Yeah. Thin but muscular, mm. yeah dancer sort of body i thought that was kind of interesting for a werewolf there was one shot and i think it was the one in the upstairs bedroom where you kind of saw the legs and they kind of looked like stilts Mm -hmm. that was the worst that's my worst criticism is that yeah you could have lit it differently or or or, you know framed it differently and it would have looked better but that's a very small complaint again they're shooting on film they don't know till they see it and um Mostly nailed it. So the special effects do um, 
Did you get much into that, Julian? Uh, I think it was Bob Keane who did the Hellraiser. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Um, I think that physically these look a lot like the werewolves and the howling, but I think they look better. And uh, I really appreciate it at the end when they show the roll of film that had been shot to uh, use the flash. Yes. <laughs> they showed like still photos that were, mm-hmm. yeah. we are to suppose are from that camera roll. Yeah. Those are pretty cool yes. production stills slash part of the movie. <laughs> um, for anyone who watched uh, um, Game of Thrones, uh, the guy who played Captain Richard Ryan, he's Davos in Game of Thrones. Davos? Wasn't that... What's her name? No. Uh, they all had similar names. This guy is Davos Seaworth. Uh... So yeah, Trump's um, education secretary, <laughs> Betty Davos. No, wasn't that her name? No, <laughs> we're not talking about her. And for anyone who really felt like Kevin McKidd, who played Cooper, was familiar, yes, he was in Train Spotting, and in hundreds of episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Yes, which I've never really watched, but it's been on while I was in the room. He uh, he did a lot of this film when he, with a crack rib. Yes. Uh, you want to tell how that happened? Uh, he had his metal plate as part of his uniform. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he did a, did a jump, landed. I think it was when they dove out of the helicopter. Uh, I think that was the, um, for, for actually jumping out of the helicopter, they got um, the, the Luxembourg crew because, you know, it's, it's like a national service there. Oh, okay. So they're, they're all, they'd all been in the army. Oh yeah, so they did that bit, but they're allowed to jump out of helicopters. Yeah, there's, there's like some scenes where they're they're jumping down into pits and things, and yeah. uh, he he cracked his rib doing that and didn't didn't tell anyone for quite a bit of the shoot for fear of being recast. Yes, yeah, and he he points out in the interview that uh, a lot of the wincing and pained expressions are quite real. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's method for sure. <laughs> Injure yourself. Get actually drunk. All those things. <laughs> Transform into a real werewolf. Yeah, Sean Pertwee had wanted to do this for years. Like first when he heard about it, mm-hmm. he really he was really up for it. You know, this on paper had to have sounded good. Yeah. You know the the script probably wasn't missing anything. Yeah, he's, he's done like three new Marshall films, I think. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So let's see, Neil Marshall. Let's. Uh, Let's look at his filmography. Well, after this, he did um, he did the descent. Yeah, which is one of the best ever. Yeah, so scary. I could hardly breathe while watching oh my God. the uh, the spelunking uh, <laughs> in the scenes where the caves are just getting narrower and narrower. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch that. That's too is much. Is it too much for you? That's too much. I tried to watch some documentary about some people who went through a cave and. Somewhere in south of England, I think. Uh, maybe the middle, I don't remember. But anyway, they, they went through the long way, which just got narrower and narrower. And it was like 12 inches round. And it was like, nah. no, you get stuck and there's water and it's totally dark. Mm-hmm. No. No, nope. I, that's nope. it. That's <laughs> it for me. 
Uh, let's see. The Descent Doomsday, which I don't believe I've seen. Yeah, uh, that's, that's more... That's much more John Carpenter. It's, a f- it's even more John Carpenter than this film. <laughs> it's futuristic. <laughs> yeah, it's like a post-apocalypse, and they, they have to go in and uh, to like uh, the uh, forbidden territories in Scotland and in this van and rescue somebody, and it's, there's all these tribes there, and they get tortured to death and stuff. It's, wow. it's really rough. And then uh, Centurion. Centurion. We've got Roman. Stoichem Centurion. Confronting wild Scots. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, I remember that one. Yeah, I, I kind of like that one. Um, I've not seen The Reckoning. Uh, I thought Hellboy stunk, but that wasn't necessarily his fault. No. No, you can you can get wrapped up in a stinker of a movie and have it not be your fault. Mm-mm. Uh, normally you'll just say your name's Alan Smithy and you'll just kind of show yourself out. But yeah. uh, Tales of Halloween. Now you guys kind of had a bit of a laugh when I mentioned that I watched something. Uh, I think it was uh, Sleigh Bells because Christina Klebe was in it. And I said, yeah, you guys know her. She was in, uh, you know, one of the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. She was in Tales of Halloween as a sergeant, uh, police sergeant in um a segment where the pumpkins came to life. It was called Bad Seed. Hmm. So he directed that segment? He directed that segment of Tales okay. of Halloween. So if it looks conspicuously good for <laughs> an analogy or um, anthology. anthology like that, uh, that's why. This movie's an analogy. <laughs> yes, it's an allegory. It's an allegory. <laughs> um, I've not seen The Reckoning. That's a 2020. It's like a witch finder movie. Yeah. Sean Pertwee is the witch hunter. Yeah. From I've never seen it. I don't know where okay. it is. I was going to say from, uh, yeah, he was, he was in dog soldiers. Yes. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. He was in, he Dooms, played the Doomsday dog as well. A <laughs> uh, bunch of television. Um, uh, Neil Marshall directed, uh, a couple of major episodes of game of Thrones uh, he did the Blackwater episode. It was the ninth and penultimate episode of the second season. And Watchers on the Wall, which is the ninth and penultimate episode of the fourth season. So you got that. He did some uh, Black Sails, Constantine, Hannibal, Timeless, Westworld, um, and Lost in Space. So he's won a bunch of awards. Family Matters. Uh, family Guy, <laughs> Full House, Full House, Full House, Fuller House, the Reboot, Fuller House, Full House in a Cave, Full House, The Reckoning, yeah, the Olsen Full Twins, Full House, The Retribution, <laughs> yes, the uh, Olsen Twins in a Cave. Oh, could you imagine? I watched that. <laughs> I totally watched that. They're kind of albino-ish. They're, yeah, you know, they're blind. They only listen to you and they yeah. scurry around on the wall like yeah. a cricket yeah you know i i think my biggest complaint isn't the um the weird legs on the werewolf that could have been you know framed differently or lit differently when the soldier runs and impales himself on the tree yes i didn't i wasn't convinced by that that yeah no i forgot about that but that was ridiculous yeah I don't think that branch was sharp enough, and I don't think he was moving fast enough. Physics should still apply. He'd gouge a big chunk out of your chest. Or bruise yourself and break some ribs, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I thought uh, like a wolf had pushed him onto it. That's what if I thought. If they could have done an insert shot with a wolf hand on him or something. But yeah. 
Yeah, just running into a branch and doing that. No. No. You know, or if you have to have, oh, he runs into the branch. Have it run into his throat or something. Yeah, you know, just or, got all that webbing on yeah, it. Yeah, have him run into his eye and do a slow, right. fulchy push in where his eye bursts and it's <laughs> yes. just gooey fun. <laughs> um, so the big finale on this movie, how'd you guys like it? The gas line. Well, prior to that, the uh, when they go into Narnia, when they <laughs> when the two remaining, when the final boys go into the wardrobe, and uh, God, which one of them shoots the floor out of it? Uh, that would be the sergeant. That was the sergeant. Okay. Yeah. He's like, cover your ears and watch your feet or something yeah. like that. Watch yeah. your toes. What about those corpses that they find in the house are from Event Horizon? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> are um, they really? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Hey, reuse it. That is a scary movie. Event Horizon? For its own reasons, yeah. It's a terrible movie. Really? Yeah, it's awful. I hate that movie. It it, it stirs Everybody's, the... you know, talks about, they nope out, you know, just other movies, they'd stay, and this, the second they see some trouble, they're like, let's get out of here. I'm like, yeah, but they don't go anywhere. You're in space. I mean, they don't... Where are you going to yeah. go? Yeah. They I, don't head I home. I need to or see anything. that again because people keep it keeps coming up as something that's good, and I wasn't that impressed when I saw it. I remember f- feeling icky, creepy feelings from it. I, I remember watching it and thinking, "Well, this is just like a, a gory version of the black hole." Yeah, which itself was two thousand twenty thousand leagues, but like the whole idea of going into hell in via space. Yeah, I just no. No, I saw this. It was the black hole. I remember yelling out Oedipus no and the guy turns and his eyes are carved out yes. and didn't get a laugh because nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. Yeah. You were you were in a room full of morons. You know, I took a date to that movie and we were both horribly disappointed. And then I think we saw the next movie or the movie before, I don't remember what order these came out, but then we watched Sphere. No. And it was it was even worse. And like, no more movies. Yeah, I didn't That's, buy that one. No, I read the book, and I like two characters, or I thought it was one character until like the the last third of the book because they were both some sort of mathematician. Okay. And it was like, wait, that's the wait, huh? <laughs> okay, those are two different people. <laughs> Either I'm not reading carefully, or so. We get we get this scene where uh, these guys are on the second second story in the wardrobe, shoot the floor. I'm sorry, it's the first story. Oh yeah, we're yeah we're in the UK with Thank this you. in this yeah <laughs> yeah. So what do we call the basement? You just don't have them. Cellar. The okay. cellar. Okay. They're on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. You call yeah. it the ground floor. Yeah, ground. You call the ground floor the first floor. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason. And the second floor we call the first floor. Yeah. Hmm. Which makes sense i don't know how those got broken up so they shoot the way out of the first floor and land in the ground floor yes <laughs> and uh werewolves are in the kitchen all hell's breaking loose uh they figure their way out of this is to fill the place with gas blow it up mm-hmm. seems like a pretty good ending um big bad wolf style yeah yeah blew the house up um the uh, silver letter opener appears because that was apparently in the clutches of 
the camper One guy. The corpses they have in the yeah. cellar, yeah. And therefore it's made its way from the tent to this house. And uh, uh, Cooper ends up stabbing Ryan in the chest with the silver letter opener, making him weak enough to allow uh, Cooper to shoot him and kill him. So we get that. Um, the big explosion. Uh, the photographs. And we see tabloid headlines. Now, this is this is not such a secret in, inside joke for England, is it? The tabloids? Yeah, they're no. a joke, yeah. It's pretty ubiquitous. It's, it's good because, you know, the soccer match, football match over the werewolves. Oh, yeah. If Army, England yeah. 5, Germany 1. That, that, that headline, if it was like the, the country end, end of the world. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. And werewolves ate my platoon. <laughs> Was, yeah, was the, they didn't have to worry about werewolves. But it also all the soccer hooligans tells you exactly when this the events took place. Would be uh, September first, two thousand one. Okay, oh, which was a full moon. And, oh, and, nice. And this was a real score of a real game. Yeah, or match. They Sorry. didn't know the score when they were writing it. Oh, um, but it just happened that this match came up when they were working on the film, and then the, so they knew that they had had to go with the, the actual results that came out. Mm. Oh, it was just fortuitous, and it was five to one. Yep. Wow, that is a high score for that a, was amazing for a, a football match. Yeah, Germany is a great team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally it's like, oh, final score was one to zero or two to one, and it was a nail biter, which is, <laughs> you know, for anyone who watches games that have high scores like basketball, mm. like. Oh, it was 103 to 85. It was a blowout. But you, you got that gag, though, that the tabloid would go with from that headline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, the werewolves ate my platoon was just in right. much smaller print. Yeah, I don't think there's much in here that would, I mean, the, the references in the movie would go. No, there's nothing you. that you. Well, the the name of the uh, the Irish family, if you, I guess it's Gaelic. Mm-hmm. The name is like Waff or something. Hmm. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it means horror. Oh, okay. Did yeah. not catch that at all. That's interesting. Um, and the other, the other thing, they, they referenced the Beast of Bob, Bobman Moor. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the like great urban legends that every now and then in uh, Britain is the uh, uh, like panthers, wild cats, yes. big cats seen running around. Yes. Stay off the moors. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, the Beast I of love Bobman those Moore. stories because it's like, what are they seeing if they see anything? Yeah, that, that was in uh, that was down the West Country in the late seventies. Pan- yeah, Panther Billies, Panther Billies, ooh, a whole <laughs> tribe of Panther Billies, <laughs> clan of Panther Billies, clan of Panther Billies. Um, so let's do the recommends. Will, nah, I mean, if you watched every other vamp- or werewolf movie, and you need one more. <laughs> no, I recommend this. This is pretty good. Julian? Yeah, top five werewolf movie of all time. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. This is this is absolutely a top five. What are the other four? Um, well, because of because of its position as the I don't care what position. Just well, no, no. I'm, uh, what I'm saying though is is the Wolfman will always be in the top five no matter what, because the Wolfman really started all the lore mm-hmm. uh, that that we. Uh, assigned to movies like this, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. People think werewolf lore come, you know, 
It's ancient. It comes it from, actually comes from that movie. It is ancient yes. from 1941. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how ancient it is. <laughs> People not, weren't even alive back then. No. It's not some Eastern European shit from 500 years ago. No. It's, it's from Hollywood in 1941. Um, so yeah, it's always going to be um, uh, the Howling, uh, the Wolfman, Dog Soldiers. Uh, American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London. Um, I wish the werewolf looked less like a bear, but that's okay. That, that, that's that like the werewolf. just the, the stunning transformation is, and it's a good movie. Generally. Right? Yeah, the transformation is amazing, and uh, Griffin Dunn's makeup is fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think of what what's another good one. Uh, man, uh, I'll give you a choice: <laughs> Howling to My Sister Is a Werewolf <laughs> or Wolf Cop. I would go with Wolf Cop, 100%. <laughs> you, you chose correctly. <laughs> I don't care that Christopher Lee is in it. It sucks so bad. But it has a good title. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Your sister is a werewolf. We made up the poster. Now you got to go with it. It's like some guy from Brooklyn. Hey, your sister's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to your mom for me. Your sister's a werewolf. Um. I haven't watched Wolfen in a while, so I can't say that I would or wouldn't put that in the top five. Um, yeah, I can't think of one that's that close. There's lots of pretty good ones. And, yeah. And then lots of dross. Curse of the Werewolf, because like, the, I, I the, like all the Lon the, Chaney ones, but. Yeah. Well, we don't have great to. Great werewolf movies. Well, Curse of the Werewolf has great yeah, makeup. Beautiful. Oliver Reed uh, looks great. Company of Wolves, actually. That's a good one. Good transformation in that one, too. What's the one where Snout there... Snout comes out of the mouth. Yeah, and that, it does it differently for every story. Yeah. Um, the group of people are, in, are invited to a manor, rich... They're all oh, rich. the beast must die. Yes. <laughs> That's such fun. I'd count that one. That's a good movie. But I'm a sucker for any that, you know bring the paw shows in and yes. then watch them tear each other apart. Oh, yeah. Enjoy the hell out of that There's secrets and lies and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure as soon as we're done recording, we'll think of others, but, uh, you know, you, you can take five good werewolf movies for your top five guaranteed the next, if you, if you were to make it top 10, the next five down the list aren't going to be as nearly as good as the top five. There's just simply not that many good ones. Mm -hmm. You'd have to start including a bunch of the Lon Chaney ones because Jack Pierce did such cool work on the makeup. Yeah, he's such a classic, iconic wolfman. Yeah. And Lon Chaney's so good at, with that character. Yeah. A lot of I good don't know how many of the Voldemar Dininsky films mm -hmm. would About be. Ginger Snaps. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I'll say that. It's not great. No, it's not. No, none, none, of the, none of the effects, you know, can hold their own against any of the ones we've just named. But uh, it's Is that most important to you in watching a werewolf film. Um, yes, in in the sense I want I want the story to be good, and I want the effects to be at least good, if not excellent. Uh, it it takes you out of a picture, you know. It takes you out of your movie. Uh, enjoyment to see something and go, God, that's a mask on a stick. <laughs> this is garbage. You could see it wobble, you know, like I, I can enjoy 
Fright Night, even though when Evil Ed is crawling away, <laughs> obviously the dog arms are being dragged by strings. <laughs> you know, that that wasn't great. It wasn't, but, you know, the strength of the movie is more in the vampire makeups. So uh, I don't consider that a werewolf movie at all, but that's the kind of thing that can really make me look at it and go, oh, you should have... What if you what if you never saw the werewolf? Would that work in a werewolf movie for you? Versus seeing a crappy werewolf, yeah. If I had to pick one or the other, would you want to be a werewolf rather than a vampire? I and mean, this is an important <laughs> consideration these days, especially if you're running for office. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously, always my first choice would be a mummy, but I think I'd have to go with a vampire because it's kind of a mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a zombie too, while you're at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Do you have spooky magical powers? Yeah, I mean that aren't you know constrained by anything but writing. <laughs> you want to create a sandstorm or curse somebody? Fine. You're yeah. a mummy. You can do it all. Yes. Yeah. Something about being asleep for five thousand years. Well, how do you guys feel about the idea of not showing the werewolf at all versus showing a crappy one? Or I should say a less than adequate one. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think personally I'd prefer not to see it, but I don't think the audiences would Mm -mm. go for that. Yeah, and see. I think they'd complain. And really perfect CG werewolves don't work because the um, Underworld movies. The Underworld movies just. I look at that and it just, I can see the ones and zeros, as you've said before, Will. <laughs> That's all I see when I yeah, look at it. Bunch of ones and zeros on the screen. Yep. I'm not seeing anything practical, anything believable. My eye just goes, ooh, that's a realistic video game cartoon thingy I'm watching. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah that'll ruin a movie. Yeah. That's why Quicker the, than, you know, seeing the guy's zipper in the back of the costume. Or right. The neck seam or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd take a zipper over yeah, exactly. a pile of pixels any day. Yeah. At least that's... It's still theatrical, you know, it's still yeah. theatre. It's interesting in a way. It's real. You can, yeah. you know, debate, like, did they see that? Did they, you know... Yeah, did they know better? Yeah. Did it anyway? Well, it's like if you're watching... If it was on a stage and you've got an obviously fake monster... You know, you know, like those stage shows where they've got, like, people puppeting animals. Yeah. Yeah, if you buy the story, then you don't. You don't see their you're, 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 guys in the black yeah, you, leotards. You, you walking. know they're there, but at the same time, you're buying into the story so yeah. much. It really works. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the approach I take with a lot of movies. Is uh, as long as there's not some glaring uh, anachronism there that you know, like I don't believe they had Ford trucks in the Civil War, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm the theatrical bit is I always know it's a movie so mm. you know but you don't want constant reminders of that I don't mind them here and there but right you know I don't even mind if you have real stylized dialogue or lighting that's not real or anything because yeah it's like a stage show it's yeah, it's not There's reality. A bunch of people putting this together. I'm never. I don't think I've seen a movie where I'm like, "Oh my god, this was real." <laughs> it's always in my head. Even when I was a kid, it was like well, some when, people when made you're this. When you were a kid, you can you can 
balance you can hold two concepts in your head at the same time yeah greater greater facility than most adults lose that yeah and and, you know um a movie where where something is quite possibly going to be something that's done and said uh would be like a gus van gus van sant movie Mm-hmm. because it's just characters walking along doing stuff and talking and going on long walks and talking and if we're going to cut out a scene from Shakespeare and put it into the movie and make it fit why not yeah so i will believe a gus van sant movie could really happen a couple of friends lost in the desert walking and talking i would rather watch them get chased by a werewolf <laughs> yes and maybe have some dialogue that i don't truly believe but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just I think people uh now uh lean too heavily on it wasn't realistic. Yeah, I find that it's like there's an increasing like um um they say oh it wasn't realistic enough, but they want to go to stories which are completely fantastical. Exactly. But they don't want that imaginative effort. No, no, you got to put it all, and it's all got to be directed towards the plot. Everything has to be, mm-hmm. and obviously good movies will show you things before they come into play later. That's, mm-hmm. foreshadowing is great, but to have every little thing spoon-fed to you rather than having anything, anything that's like a little side moment or a weird little, you know, why did they show the, f- I don't know, the farmhouse for like two minutes and and then she finally came out the door it was just slow and stupid it's like it's setting up the mood and mm-hmm. uh, i also find people are too literal now you know there's no room for any metaphor or allegory for things yeah you don't want anything ethically difficult yes definitely no ethically difficult characters especially the protagonist he cannot be a bad person. Yeah, the message has to be spelled out. Mm-hmm. And so they can say, oh, yeah, this is a good movie because we agree with the message. And that has to be going in. Yeah, yeah. No, and... You can't develop it or make it ambiguous or... or you know, or even even those horror movies where you agree with the villain mm-hmm. in some level and that's the scary part is like, ooh, I just, I just said that cult in Midsummer was supportive and, and a kind of loving family she was lacking, but they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we call it a show, I want to throw this out there because it's probably a terrible idea, but, and it, and it may, it, this may mean nothing. Uh, Bloody Disgusting two years ago did a, a, a little bit on their website saying that uh, Neil Marshall, um, of course, this is when The Reckoning came out. Uh, he mentions in an interview that uh, it's not out of the question he would do uh, uh, another Dog Soldiers movie. Oh, yeah. They, they had, uh, he had an idea for uh, Cooper being put in an asylum. And then the, um, the uh, camper guy you see at the start is one of the other inmates. And then the infection spreads. Ah, so he recovered from his wounds and is a werewolf. And then the, um, uh, the back of the spinach guy had his own idea for a trilogy <laughs> where um i think the second one they'd have the have an american team which are the ones who are supposed to be there mm. in instead of the the squaddies okay uh, and they turn up and that's so they're more of an elite squad facing the werewolves 
Hmm. And then the third one will be Cooper facing some other kind of monsters. Maybe. Well, the proposed title back in 2004 for a uh, for a sequel was Dog Soldiers, Fresh Meat. Yes, yes, that was the one the spinach guy wanted to do. <laughs> right. It's not a bad title. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, when they were in production on um, Dog Soldiers, I think he wanted this to be called uh, Night of the Werewolf. Hmm. And then some uh, reporter, some magazine was, was you know, on the set and... Uh, they were, they were looking at everything that was going on and saying, oh, this is going to be a special movie. This is going to be outstanding, but it's got such a bland title. <laughs> so okay, I'll go back to Dog Soldiers. Yeah. It says something. And you're not sure what it means until you get into the movie. Yeah. Because uh, in World War II, they uh, referred to the American GIs as dog faces. Yeah, dog face. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, so that kind of... Isn't that... that- the Marines, and because they have a bulldog, could be, yeah, as a mascot, yeah, the Devil Dog, mm-hmm. yeah, an uncle of mine had that tattooed on his arm. Nice. He was one of the Korean War. Um, so uh, let's call it a show. And uh, when we come back next week, listeners, you're going to be so excited to know we're going to talk about Halloween ends. Yes, Halloween the thirteenth. <laughs> yes, Halloween sucks. Okay. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moor. <laughs> <laughs>